This is the Amadon Planet Podcast, episode 19. I am your host, Joel Amadon. Kind of excited about this episode. We're talking with Tom Andres, my first boss. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the book Fish, A Proven Way to Boost Morale and Improve Results by Stephen London, Harry Paul, and John Christensen. It's that book about the world-famous Pike Place fish market. And the reason why we're talking about this book is because of you, the listener, specifically Claire, Claire Rierick, former student and former teacher of one of my kids at Della Davidson Elementary School here in Oxford, Mississippi. And she reached out to me in via Instagram and just was talking about listening to some of the episodes. And I said, hey, do you have any suggestions for books? And she mentioned that some of her colleagues were reading Fish at Della and that might be a good book. And I remembered thinking about back to when I got hired at Sock Prairie High School in, what, 2002. And Tom was talking about this fish philosophy and just remembered that. And I thought, well, I wonder if Tom would come on the podcast and talk about this book. And so I sent an email or got his contact information, sent him an email, and he was more than willing to come on. And I'm so glad he did. This is a fantastic episode, lots of wisdom. I mean, he retired when I was still teaching at Sockbury, which was a while ago, and but he's still working. He's d- starting doing these like interim positions um, at different uh, school districts where he's filling in a leadership gap while they're waiting for uh, the next person to be hired or the next person is where before the next person can take on the the role anyway doing a great job doing that he's got a lot of amazing experiences and he shares a lot of it in the podcast so i don't want to get more in the way this is just 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 get in the way of you hearing from tom so but before we do you know the disclaimer that we always share when we talk about a book you know what we're not going to cover the whole book there's more value in in books than what we can talk about here on a podcast so if you like what you hear I suggest you go get the book. Seriously, and this book is fairly inexpensive. It's been around for a while. There's many versions, so you can find it pretty cheap on the used book market. But anyway, there'll be looks. There'll be links to purchase the book at in the show notes at amazonplanet.com forward slash episode nineteen. But you can also support that local bookstore, right? So like Square Books here in Oxford, Mississippi. So without any further delay, here's my conversation with Tom Andres on the book Fish. But Tom, thank you so much for uh, for joining me. And, and I wanted to start as soon as possible because as soon as I uh, saw you, I wanted to get into asking about things. And I know that there's going to be some good nuggets. So I wanted to capture as much as possible. Hey, I'm ready to roll. All right. So uh, you would you mind giving a, a quick introduction of yourself, Tom, and some of your background? Uh, yes. Um, my name is Tom Andrews. I uh, uh, have been in education since... Uh, 1970, and uh, uh, and a number of my students have already retired. That's, that's <laughs> interesting. and it's interesting because I go to a lot of different places, and I run into uh, children whose grandparents were were work for me, and so it's it's just amazing. Uh, but uh, what a wonderful uh, experience! So I, I I've been a, a teacher which I loved. I was a counselor for a number of years. I was an assistant principal, activities director, then a principal for a, quite a few years, then superintendent. And then I took a break, Joe. I went and 
coached two years at Cleveland State women's basketball. Yeah, I, I, I came to one of those games. Yeah. That, what what an awakening, though. It may, because here I was, sort of rural, you know, pretty much rural, and ended up in a in an urban college at Cleveland State University, and having the chance to work with all kinds of different uh, athletes um, from different backgrounds, from poverty to um, you know people that were in good shape, to, and the the interaction that I had with them. Uh, was wonderful. I was the academic liaison. I, I worked on then uh, off-season skills and then worked on the practice uh, uh, format so that I could uh, work with the head coach on, on, on a number of things. And th- probably the thing I remember most about it were the experiences with the people. Um, I tell you, I, and I've been to the, some weddings. I, I've been to some uh, important meetings where they're, you know, I have kindergarten teachers that are six fourths from the couple of girls that I go. <laughs> and it's just, it's just fantastic to see. And social workers, uh, it, it's just, it was extremely rewarding. And then when I, I finished there, I came back and, and went through a number of events. Uh, there was a school shooting and they called me to that school and I spent time there doing recovery and, and became their superintendent. And since then, I've been in five or six more schools as superintendent where they've run into some difficulty and, and needed someone. And, and so I stepped in and I, I either worked for a year or two or even a couple of cases, like six months. So, wow. And in this special, this one here, I'm, I'm here for the year until June 1 when and I've hired someone to replace me already. So <laughs> we're set to roll. Yeah, I, I remember I was just actually I was talking to my students this morning about you know, building. So we kind of go through these key behaviors that we want them to do. And one thing is build relationships. And I, and I mentioned, I was going to be talking to you today and just like having a relationship that extends over, uh, you know, decades now and thinking too about how you've positioned yourself in the education community that when, you know, when West, it was Weston, right. That had Weston had that, you know, tragic thing happen, and, And the administrator lost his life trying to defend students correct yes. i mean it's yes. just tremendous and and thinking like here's a here's a district that is just you know hurting and just trying to recover and like to have somebody with your skill set you know the counseling the administration being able to come in i mean it, it seemed like you know it, the the tragedy is there but then the thinking about the role that you fill there i it, it just it, it felt like there there was a reason there for you to be there well, here, here, this was interesting because, see, when, when children come to school and they're hungry, they don't learn very well. When they're tired, they don't learn very well. But the other thing that's very clear is when they're frightened, mm, they don't yeah. learn well. You know. Right. And so when I came, what I had to do was I had to be very um, around the building a lot. I, I couldn't sit in an office. I had to be out with the kids, with the staff, because the staff were also uh, dealing with some trauma with that. Oh yeah, and, um, and it was amazing how the kids start to recover when they started feeling better. It was it, it took the several months and into the year uh, before they could actually just sit and be okay. And when a book dropped on the floor, oh gosh, they yeah. weren't alarmed. Yeah, uh, we're early in that process. They were. Yeah. So it it, uh, it it just goes again to show you that there are certain basic things that have to happen before children can learn. Mm-hmm. and, and uh, being safe 
just one of them, and of course, not being hungry is the other. And and in this uh, our day and age, where, where we're dealing with homeless and and kids who've gone through a lot of trauma, it's very important for us to uh, be able to respond. I'll give you an example here, Joel. We have a student that walked when she was 14 years old, walked from Nicaragua through Mexico. Her her mother was working on a farm in Wisconsin. Huh. Now, can you imagine a 14-year-old walking all the way through Mexico, finding somehow finding a way to get to Wisconsin to connect with mother? Now, she went through a lot of trauma in that process. Uh-huh. Here she's been here for four years, and she's graduating this spring. Wow. And you look at that, and I, I look at, here's a, here's a youngster that was resilient. Where did that resiliency come from? How... I think of my 14-year-olds when I was working with them in our district. Who could do that? Mm-hmm. Who could could make that walk? And and what happens is is that when you do then get that student, they're they're rather sensitive and and you got to be very cautious with how you move forward with that. And it takes time, mm-hmm. but uh, with relationships and trust building, it works. Yeah. And it, well, and time, I mean, and you get, you got to put in, you're not just going to build a relationship in a, Oh, we, we, I sat down next to him for a minute at the lunch table. Ah, oh, we have a relationship. No, it's good. No. So I remember even at, at Sauk Prairie, Joel, when you were there, um, you know, you deal with issues, but what, what I found out was if I didn't build a relationship with the students and being out there, that when I go into the lunchroom and there was a misbehavior, I didn't have to go in and get ornery with somebody. I could just look and say, Hey, and they were okay. Yeah. They would they would respond. And when you when teachers and staff and and administrators create those relationships, what happens is kids respond. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think about. I, I think one of the first professional developments I did when I was at Sauk Prairie was we went to the Love and Logic conference and you know talking about you know building up this you know account, which makes it sounds a little informal, but I mean, it was like, if I'm actually going to build a relationship that you can do that in the lunchroom, right there, someone, you know, is misbehaving and you know that, you know, they can be a little light, but you give them that look and they're like, yeah, yeah, I know. And, yes. and like, I'm going to just, I'll stop now. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, but I was just also thinking too, about one thing that struck me about you, Tom, was that I was just hired and then I see you in the hallway and you know, I, I was going to, you know, it just did the little wave to you and you're like, Hey, good morning, Joel. And I'm like, wow, he knows my name, <laughs> you know, cause like it was a big, the lots of, I mean, how many schools and how many teachers that you had and how many you got hired also. And the fact that you knew my name, it was, it was just, it said something. And then it's like, okay, I'm with that guy. <laughs> you know, it just, it was a little thing to start. And now that relationship keeps building and building through other, through other actions. Right. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah, and it's like paying it forward, Joel. It's like, um, you know, people come into our lives for a season or a reason or a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, we have all those different types of relationships. And and I believe that we're, we're in places because that's where we belong at that time. And um, I, I think we build on that. And and uh, I, I have that trust. You know, every morning I wake up, uh, I'm glad to come to school here and I'm glad to do the things I'm doing Um uh, for example, this morning I just talked with a, a a student. She's a senior. She's in mock trial. She's in forensics, and so I wanted to know how she did in sub districts yesterday. So I went and talked to the the advisor and said, "Well, 
halfway through her presentation, she quit. She stopped. Oh, no. And um, I said, well, why was that? And um, But here, here it was, Joe. Listen to this. Uh, she was uh, doing a, a prose, and it was a, a powerful piece uh, that she had gotten from TED Talk that was uh, the danger of a single story. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. No. But it's uh, a lady that was born in Nigeria that talks about if you live on a single story, you are discriminating and leaving a lot of things out. And she, she presented that in her first round, she got 23 out of 25 points, an excellent score. And then she stopped. And here's what she said to me when I, I went and talked to her today. She said, um, you know what? I just felt that I wasn't the appropriate person to share this piece because of what that person went through. And here I was using it as a prose and I think it's deeper than that. And so she stopped presenting wow. because of what she was feeling and the reflection she had. And you talk about a maturity in a young lady that can yeah. do that. It was, it was powerful. And so I talked today and I just said how proud I was of her and uh, wow. I respected her decision and stuff. And good that, stuff. Yeah. Like, I'll give you a medal right now. <laughs> you just, <laughs> wow. Yes. You just you just won first place in my book. Yeah. Um, wow, that, that's a good story. Uh, and thinking about the, yeah, yeah, the amount of maturity there. That's just amazing. Um, yes. But I wanted to, I, I brought, and so I don't know if I mentioned the background for why I wanted to talk. To, well, one, it's, here's the dirty secret about this podcast is that I get a chance to then talk to these people that I admire <laughs> for like 45 minutes of time, which you think now is, is really rare, you know, yes. unless... Yes. Unless, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I've been talking with Shane on the phone or in person ever since I, you know, we started doing it way back when I worked at SOC. So if, I missed this last Thursday because I was sick, but but having like a consistent conversation with someone, it's pretty rare nowadays. And so I get this. So you're in on the secret that this is okay. a good way to have con just start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. So I have a, uh, a grad student who is now a third grade teacher, ended up being, uh, actually she was, started with as my Starbucks barista, became one of my students in my uh, math methods class, then was a, a grad student that worked with me to, to teach courses, and then became my daughter's third grade teacher. Her name is Cl Claire oh, Rierick, yeah. So I'm like, I better have done a good job, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but anyway, she, we were talking, she's been listening to the podcast and you know, she, I said, Hey, do you have any suggestions of books? And she said, we've been talking about fish. And I'm like, I remember fish. And, and it brought me back to when I first started and someone said, yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah, the administrator seems to be pretty good. Yeah. He's into, he's really into fish. And, <laughs> and I thought you were into the band. initially. <laughs> I'm like, he doesn't seem like a fish guy, <laughs> like a fish head. <laughs> But then it was this idea. And so I, did, I don't even know the background. Like, how did you become aware of this book? Or I don't know, did you go to Pike's Place? I don't know. What, what was the background? Joe, it's an interesting story because I actually, uh, before the book was written, they actually did a uh, thing. I think it was 60 Minutes or it was, a, it was a special. And I saw just a clip of it. And I said, that's very interesting. And it sort of slipped my mind for a while. And then the book was published. And I said, hey, I remember that. And so what I did was 
I contacted them and I went out to Pike's fish market and it's Pike's world famous fish yeah, market. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they renamed it from Pike's fish market to Pike's world famous fish market before they were world famous. Cause that was their goal. <laughs> yeah. And so I went out there and I talked to the, owner and then I talked to the sort of the consultant that was helping them put this all together uh-huh. and so I spent a couple of days but here was the real key they had me work with them for a half a day from five in the morning to about noon uh-huh. and uh, Joel it was a crummy crummy job yeah my feet were freezing my hands were cold from the ice and carrying fish and putting it in the ice uh smelly it was it, uh, being a fishmonger just isn't very a very attractive position. Yeah. And I and uh, so I said, what is this all about? Well, then about nine o'clock, and they were supporting each other and encouraging each other, and we were hustling and getting the fish out. And they have these big long counters, uh-huh. and they have it all filled with ice. You got to get ice for it. Then you plant the fish in it, you know, and, and stuff. So it's it's sort of crummy, cold work. And um, I said. I'm missing something here. <laughs> and then at nine o'clock, I discovered what it was all about. Nine o'clock, their time. It's coffee break time in the business district there. And all of a sudden, people start showing up. People are out in the area there, and, and they're laughing and talking. And then the, the guys start recognizing them. And they go through what I figure is fake. But it wasn't fake. It was sort of fun. And they were saying, hey, catch this fish, you know, and they throw it. What do you have? And he said, I'll have that walleye from, or that salmon, that that fresh salmon. And they throw it across the counter, you know, 15, 20 feet. Now, I don't know if you ever tried to catch a fish. (laughs) No. Especially a slimy fish like that. And you have this paper thing that you're using to catch them with. Well, it's hard. I was, I I had to cup it in and I was all over. (laughs) It was just, but they could do it. And then they have one of these fake fishes. So they'll see somebody out in a group and they'll say, hey, how about you? And they'll throw the fish off and they're stuck in the fake cloth one. But all of a sudden I, I recognized sort of the wisdom of what they were about and the wisdom from the book. And, and you know, it's, here it is. this isn't new. It's packaged in the Bible. It's packaged in all kinds of books. Jim Collins writes about the the concept in Good to Great. You have uh, uh, Iacocca doing it with a manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go through a, a number of of different people that have written about how do we make things better. And it wasn't about money. It wasn't about getting more money. It was all intrinsic. And so here, I talked to this young guy then after we'd worked for a day. I says, well, what are you doing? He says, well, I stayed out a little late last night, but you know what I know is that when I come here, I have to have an attitude. If I want to work with this group of guys, I, I just have to have this attitude. And the attitude was, was sort of the foundation. He says, before I put my feet on the floor that, and, on the day, he says, I got to say, okay, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to have a great attitude. And that, that sounds like a simple thing. Uh, but fact, I don't care what kind of job you do. It affects it. When I come to work here, if I don't have a good attitude, it just isn't, you know, I'm pulling people down rather than lift people up. Right. And um, so when you, when you look at the pieces, it, it's really interesting. You know, they say, be there. And they use that concept, be there. And we hear it in uh, 
the old things, how to influence people and friends, you know, all those books that are self-help type of books, they all use the same sort of concept, but here they, they put it into practice. They, they yeah. have to sort of. And, um, and so being there is don't, don't be thinking and daydreaming and looking at your phone and all this. Be, be there who you're talking with, who you're with, who you're working with, be there. And then, uh, are you going to get hit in the face with a fish? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and then, then they get into the play. Um, and, and this was interesting because people, uh, critics really pan this part of it. And see, if you, if you look at play as just something silly, that's one thing. But if you could look at play as enjoyment, as doing something, uh, uh, like when I'd walk through the office and I say something funny, dishonored, we interact. That's that's part of play. It's it's that feeling that people get about being involved with you. Um, I learned it also in coaching. Is that there better be enjoyment in what you're doing, mm-hmm. or you're going to start losing kids. Yeah. And and so how do you find that? And and you, and what it is, you don't end up being so critical. You start be, doing more encouraging and and things and uh, honoring kids a little bit more and. Um, and in the classroom, here's an example. I was in a fourth grade classroom uh, last week, and the fourth grade teacher was teaching long division just in her way, the new way, whatever. And she said, Mr. Andrews, how long did it take you to learn this? Well, of course, I couldn't remember. Before, <laughs> I said, well, it, it probably took me uh, about a week longer than it was taking these kids. <laughs> and and uh, what she was saying to the kids and what she kept emphasizing was, it's okay to be frustrated. Because yeah, you're going yeah. to know how to do this. You're going to learn it. And so we're just going to keep working it, and you'll get it. And here she was. These kids didn't know how to do it. And she was telling them, you will. You know, you'll, you'll get it. And I listened to this encouragement. She was saying, it's okay to be frustrated because we're still going to get through it. Yeah. And, and so that type of thing. And then the other part that they did was make their day. And I watched this, and it was amazing. There'd be someone standing out there with uh, – a jacket that uh, might have been from uh, the Washington Redskins or whoever, and say, hey, I like that jacket. How much for it? You know, and stuff. And they'd start communicating back and forth. Say, I like that. And or a, a lady would walk by, I like your hairdo. You know, uh, they just made compliments, but they didn't just throw them at them. They looked at the person. They were there, and they made real, real compliments, not mm-hmm. fake ones. You know, so it addressed them. And... Um, and so you put all those pieces together and you can see it framed in all kinds of books, all kinds of educational philosophy. Um, and it's very practical. So, you know, if people start panning to this, oh, this new concept of fish. And really what it was, was a practical application or an example, actually, of what you can do where you are and make it better. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so it, it's sort of basic, but yet at the same time, it escapes us. You know, we get caught up in the everyday stuff that can drag us down. And there's plenty of that. There's plenty of that stuff yeah. around us. And so you, you got to keep the focus and you got to say, we can deal with that. We can get through that. When I saw uh, my wife worked uh, up until recently for Chick-fil-A, the local Chick-fil-A here. Yeah. And so, I mean, well, their whole ad campaign right now where they have the little stories, it's, it's all about people 
where Chick-fil-A has made their day, right? You know, like these little moments where it's, yeah, tying the tie or the the person that can sign and for the, you know, the person that can't speak and, you know, all that sort of thing is making their day. And think of that as, uh, uh, well, that's definitely one of the things that I learned from, from the book was, was coming up with that. Did we hit them all? Did you hit all four of them? Well, I did, but, um, you know, the, the, the thing is, there's so many examples with that. Um, um, I wanted to share these with you. You know, when, when you talked about uh, learning how to teach better. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, when, when I look at this, um, you know, I said it's not a new message. And learning how to teach better, I can go back to childhood teachers and, and, and mm. see these things that somebody says, hey, that's new. <laughs> it's, it's not new. It's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's what it is. It's, it's responding to kids. It's dealing with kids in a personal way and it's it's those relationships of trust and then this is the piece that people sort of uh, miss high expectations yeah. kids want to be successful and what we have to do is provide that road path you know so that that path is there for them to be able to overcome some of those things that are that are in everybody's way somewhere and um, so it's not new but uh, you know, you, you asked the question, uh, if, like if we there were two or three things about this, I would pick one. Situation can determine attitude mm. if you allow it. And, you know, there's there's the, you, you have these situations. And I know you've gone through it, Joel. I've gone through it. My, my children have. You go through tough things. Yeah. How do you respond? And And the thing is, is that, if we allow the situation to dictate our attitude, we get it a little bit reversed, mm. and and, it, and that makes it challenging. That doesn't mean you're not down or, or bummed out about something or feeling bad about a loss, but you know how to respond to it. Yeah. Um, can I can I other, can I tack onto is, that one? Can I tack onto that one? Can I tack onto that one? You bet. So, like, just an example. I had uh, my dad passed away. Um, was an alcoholic towards the end of his life and lost him way too early. Like, yeah, way too early. But when that happened and I had a perfect example of friends, family, my faith community coming around me and saying, this is what it's like to love on somebody in in a time of need. And now even thinking like, I've got this part of me that, you know, I miss my dad and I wish he was here, but now I've got a, a way to connect with other people that are dealing with the same thing. And it's like, it, I'm, I don't like that I have it, but now I have a way to connect and I have a way to support and I have a way to send. And even something that happened during that time is I was given a, uh, a comfort cross, a little thing to hold in your hand um, w- during that time. And now that's become something that I've given to many folks um, where, you know, I, I found, I found, cause I was, I was caring all the time and I found, I did find a lot of comfort in it. And now when I hear about people that are experiencing something, I will give them a comfort cross as a way to like, Hey, someone gave one to me and it helped and I want to give it to you. And it's like, again, like you said, like that situation, I, I mean, I could still be, I could still be, you know, just angry and upset about that or, you know, using using the situation to think like how how can i use it to benefit others right you bet. You yeah bet. sorry you know, so i interrupted you no that's that's that, that's a perfect example i 
you know, I grew up without a father and my mother left when I was in seventh grade and, and I became somewhat of a bad character for a while there responding to that. And, um, but you, you eventually get to the point where you say, well, you know, these behaviors are my choices. They're wow. the choices I'm, I'm, uh, I'm making. And you eventually say, okay, how do I want to be? Where do I want to be? Right. And, and I think, uh, learning how to handle frustration is a part of what, what this fish philosophy is, but I don't, I don't hang on to just fish philosophy. I, I look at it much broader than that. And probably, uh, probably my faith walk, um, I lean heavily on, on that than I do fish philosophy. I think fish philosophy grew out of a number of things. Yeah. And so, um, uh, it's a matter of, of the type of choices we make. Um, the other thing, uh, being able to make a response that genuine. Mm. When you, so often today, um, somebody will say something and they're past you by the time, by the time yeah. you're in. How are you doing today? And, <laughs> hey. so, like, well, yeah. and uh, I remember an old timer, Pete Bloom, an optimist in River in uh, Sauk Prairie, that said, uh, "I said, how are you doing today, Pete?" And he'd say, "Do you have enough time?" <laughs> you know. And but you know what? It made a difference to me when when I would ask him that I would I would stand stand by him and say okay yeah. I know that Pete's going to ask me this I better hang around and and see how his day is going. Do <laughs> yeah. um, you remember Wayne Bruno? Oh yes. So one I ran into him down here at a football game. I heard that. Uh, <laughs> oh wow! And then two I remember like I'd stand outside my door and I'd say Hey Mr. Bruno how you doing? He's like it's Tuesday above the ground must be good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Wayne's going through a tough time right now. His wife has to have uh, heart surgery, Ooh. and oh. so that that's coming up. But his wife Kathy is just a real optimistic, and it looks like everything will go okay. So, Good. but uh, that, that's you know when something like that happens, it's tough. Yeah. So is you had the so from your high five, you had the two there that you had, yeah, you had any more? Awesome. Um, I think that you can still have fun and work hard. <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it's, you know, people think that, Hey, you don't look like you're working. You know, if, if I'm walking down the hall, hassling a kid or something, you know, they'll say, Hey, what, you know, that doesn't look like work, but I'm building and it, it and it's part of it. Yeah. And, um, and by the way, I, I love walking down the halls and I go into classrooms all over and, and hassle kids and teachers and stuff. And, <laughs> And in that process, I, I, uh, I know that I, I'll have to deal with some certain things and that's laying a foundation for that. I, love, I mean, it just, what's great is, um, you know, the, hopefully the listeners hear about how, how many different examples you have just from, it sounds like you're, you're stopped here in river Valley of how many times you've been in classrooms and how many different connections you've made so far that doesn't come from sitting in that office and reading all the books on the bookshelf behind you, which there are zero <laughs> books on the bookshelf. <laughs> behind. You know what Mike says, hey, you want us to put some books on the bookshelf? I said, no. Um, I brought those in because the new superintendent says, I have a lot of books. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll get bookshelves in here. There you go. I have them here and he hasn't delivered them yet. They're ready. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a good observation. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) So I I had to, and I wonder what your thoughts are on this, is like having, I like the, there's a point in the book where uh, Mary Jane, the kind of the main character, she's about ready to, you know, put this like fish philosophy into practice. and, And she talks about having faith in the process and like, 
all the logic is there, but eventually you just need to step out in faith and say, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be present. I'm going to uh, play. I'm going to make their day. And I have to, it, I can't think of it as I'm going to give something and I'm going to get something out of it. It's just like, no, I just got to put myself out there and have some faith that this, <laughs> this will work in quotation marks, you know? Um, and you see, you see all kinds of examples of that happening, uh, throughout, you know, the, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the book, the other Westmore, um, uh, writing it down. About two, it's about two Westmores and, um, late in life, he's writing this book, but the one Westmore is in prison and they, they grew up in both in the same projects. Oh, wow. And, um, I think in Baltimore, but one is in prison. The other was a Rhodes scholar and they had the same type of foundation from uh, family and stuff. There were all kinds of bad things happening. And um, the Westmore, who was the author and speaker, said, I, I want to know what was the difference? What, what, what mm. made the difference? And um, because he said, I made my share of mistakes during that time, and, and so did he. And there were two very interesting comments. One was, we don't know when we're going to get a second chance or if there will be a second chance when we do certain action. Second is that uh, my mother made me go to this certain school and was very adamant about it, and I ran away, and they picked me out. Anyway, he says, she stayed with me and made me follow the process that she had a picture for me. I didn't have the picture. She did. Huh. And um, eventually it clicked and stuff, and and he made it. But the two Westmores talked about that, where the first one didn't have a second chance. Mm -hmm. This one did. And so when you look at process, what we're counting on is that as educators or as uh, caring people, that we make sure that we provide those opportunities. You know, for, look at failure. Look how people look at failure. Um, to me, it's, the, it's one of the most difficult things and the, sort of the worst thing we've done in schools, and that is, is that we start to define that failure as just terrible. Mm, yeah. Um, and some kids are going to not be successful when they try something. And we already know that. <laughs> You know, and so, so the process of saying you can have a second chance, you can try this. I, I know of kids that uh, have had a terrible year in school and then they have the summer break and they come back and they think, maybe this is the year. Yeah. Maybe this is the year I can connect. Maybe this is the year I'll be able to get it or be with somebody or whatever the situation is. And I know that there are those kids every year. And if we take away those second chances, if we prejudge, if we keep putting failure as a final, uh, we're not going to be successful in, in what we're doing as an educator. Um, so I, I feel pretty strongly about sometimes I don't agree with our method of grading because if someone messes up one time, it counts them out almost. But that's another that's another whole lecture. But uh, <laughs> I, I feel strongly that that this type of fish attitude 
it's a caring type of attitude that reaches out and can address things like that. And um, uh, <laughs> I run into to many of my former students. It's sometimes it's embarrassing and because of how I acted or treated them, but um, we built a house and the, and the crew that was uh, uh, doing the framing was one of my former students mm -hmm. and he's one of my former athletes, uh -huh. but he quit basketball. He was an outstanding athlete, could have done a lot of things. This was uh, uh, my first year at, at Sauk Prairie. And, um, and I just, I liked him, but he says, he came in, he says, coach, I, um, I'd rather do these other things hmm. than, than work on basketball. He says, I don't think it's fair to you to tell you that, okay, I'm going to be a basketball player. And, and he came and told me that. And I tried to talk him out of that. And uh, he said, no, this is the right thing. And so we had a discussion when he was framing well. And he became an excellent builder. He's uh -huh. making much more money than I am. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and he's an excellent builder. And uh, it, it, it made me reflect on my expectations for a kid as compared to where they were going and how I could support what they were going to do. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Yeah. 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 Having that, uh, I mean, he had his own picture, right? You know, yeah. And so how do we support them in that? In and to listen to be there and encourage them. Yeah. You know, um, and that, that's an attitude that, that I think that, uh, you come to education with, uh, I'd say, I believe every kid has their gift. I believe every kid is here for a purpose. And I think it's our job to help them, move in a direction to find that purpose yeah sometimes it's a little bit more discipline but always with a lot of encouragement well that kind of leads to my next my next one this will round out our high five is uh there's something about having a word or thought budget you know like having like a zero-sum budget and so like if you're if the more you think about and your team is thinking about or talking about these sorts of things like just the fish philosophers are basically positive things the less time or effort or words that you have for all the negative stuff, right? If so, if I'm thinking about how can I make this kid's day, I'm not thinking about, well, why didn't they do their, you know, you know, they're not going to do this right. They're going to do this homework incorrectly. Like if I'm thinking positively, I, I put, I can push out space for that negative stuff and that's yes. unproductive, you know? You bet. Um, you know, the, the, the whole idea most people want to do the best they can. You know, it's it's a thing. It's how they define that and how they look at it and how, and so as educators, how we guide that. And um, you know, kids come from all kinds of different families, uh, backgrounds. They come from uh, situations that are way beyond what we sometimes even comprehend. And you look at the abuse and stuff, and and sometimes the only place that they can get that positive, the only place that looks reasonable school mm -hmm. and um, now that isn't a lot of kids but you have those kids in your class and so if you're teaching to all these other kids and miss that group somehow you, I think it's it's something that we have to address uh, and so the teacher responsibility is huge I mean I look at what as I walk through the school the the buildings and and stop in classrooms how they try to reach those different levels of kids, the different backgrounds of kids. 
um, with encouragement. And and it, I can go back to even when I was in school. Um, we had this kid in school that sat in the back of the room, was disruptive and stuff. A number of years after we graduated, I ran into him, and he's in a three-piece suit. <laughs> he was there, and, and I said, "Larry, how did what in the world?" <laughs> he was a very um, successful insurance salesman. Mm-hmm. He found that he found where he was headed. Yeah, and so my judgment, sorry to say, was that he wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to make it, and and so. Those types of things, if we can keep that in a picture that that kids are defining themselves all the time and they need our encouragement, our support, and that might include sometimes stopping them and saying, hey, your behavior isn't appropriate. What would make, what, what type of behavior would be better? Right. You know, yeah. and and that's hard to do. You're teaching a whole class and a kid is disruptive. It gets you ornery. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you, you stop for a while to make sure that you're interpreting whatever is happening the best way you can. Mm-hmm. Rem- um, so in the previous episodes, I got, I had an opportunity to talk to Gloria Ladson Billings, who was a, she a coined cultural and pedagogy. She was an advisor at Wisconsin and she was talking about the <clears throat> last MLK celebration that she went for back for. She lives in Florida in the wintertime now, but came back for it in Wisconsin um, and was talking about on the cover of the, uh, like brochure for the celebration, they had a picture of Martin Luther King, but not the ones that we would figure, but the one of him, like in his high school graduation picture because they, and she's like, this is what you want to see. This is what you want to think about when you look at into a child and think like, what might they become? What might they do versus, yeah, you're getting, you're disrupting the class now, but how do I interact with this person? If they are the, you know, just a a huge change agent in the future. Like what might I want to say? How might I want to help them now to, in order to reach those dreams rather than, Oh, you're not going to result to anything. Yeah. Yes. Yes. One of the other things, uh, Joel, that, that came to mind is, is, um, uh, you ask a question, what would you do different? Mm. You know, after you read the book and, um, the, the one thing I would have done, and I wish I would have learned it sooner, is I would have framed my own failure differently, but also failure of others. But personally, how um, tough it was when, when I failed. Mm. You know, um, and I was, you know, let's take athletics, for example, that in one area, um, it was a challenge in college uh, athletics because the expectation was it doesn't matter if you're injured. It doesn't matter that you have to perform. And, um, and I remember uh, not performing well and being pulled from a starting lineup. And my attitude was such that it was, it was significant failure. And I ended up with a chip on my shoulder sort of mm. battling that and saying the coach was unfair, this is, you know, rather than just sitting back and saying, okay, where am I and why was, why did that happen? To be able to frame failure differently for ourselves, especially, I, I think we can look at others because we're not, it's not as uh, intrinsic, it's not as close to you. But when we look at our own failures, um, 
it, it is it is challenging. You look at people who end up in a divorce. You look at, at things like that and how powerful that feels to a person and how depressing it can be. And to be able to frame that so that you can move on in life, that's the one thing I in the book that I thought, if you trust in this type of process, if you if you walk that path, you're going to be able to get through it. You're still going to be bummed. You're still going to say, hey, I'm hurting because I loved her, or loved him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's a matter of, of how you frame that. And I, I think I would have framed it, and it would have helped my athletic teams a whole lot more if I would have been able to do that uh, because I, I would uh, be bummed out for several days after a loss, you know, instead of saying, okay, that one's passed. We, we did this. Now we're going to move on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the, uh, you know, I had something very similar for what I would have done differently. I mean, just, and you know, I, I think I figured this out finally, but, uh, it was, a, took a long while. I would, it would, this book could have helped sooner is just, yeah, that choosing you, choosing how to respond like that, choosing your attitude because yeah, I kind of let circumstances dictate how I felt or how I responded in my classrooms at times. And it's like, you know what? I could have you know, not been fake about it, but like said, you know what, despite the circumstances or whatever's going on, this is, I need to be there. I need to be present. I need to be in my game for this, for these kids. Cause they're counting on it. Right. You know, and sometimes Joel, um, you know, you hit, you hit bottom. There, there are times that uh, things are just crummy and uh, being able to look at the reality of it gives you an opportunity to then say, okay, now how can I respond? Yeah. You know, but, you have to look at the reality of things as well uh, because, and I don't think fish is Pollyanna. And the reason I say that is I worked in that fish market to, to get through that, you know, and to stay with it, you know, to just stay with that whole process. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon it becomes the way you think, the way you live, the, you know, it, it's a positive thing rather than being such a heavy thing. So I, I think that that, the process is worth it. Yeah. So what's, what's something maybe you, after you had this experience and got the book and that you had done differently after, are you since, uh, since reading the book? Well, here's, here's what I would say is, uh, I think it helped me, um, in how I'm thinking and trying to, uh, frame things so I enjoy things and people more. Um, and I don't know if enjoyment's the right word, but it's it's uh, a comfortable, being comfortable. Um, you know, not everybody, you know, uh, like when you have an assembly and, and you walk out to talk to everybody, not to be fearful of going out there and talking to people, just you're going to, you're going to do what you're going to do or, when I address the whole staff, when I when I when that is there, I don't have to think. Oh, I'm the center here. I got you know. Instead, hey, I have this to share. We're gonna we're gonna do this. It's that comfort feeling. It's being comfortable with what you know, who you are, and and how you're going to behave. Uh, I, I think that uh, is probably the probably not the most important, but but probably one of the most important things that that i that i moved through okay that i uh 
I would say that I moved in that in that direction. Mm-hmm. It was a growth thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's I think for me um the thinking about the the 2 for 1 deal. Uh well, let me explain that. The making their day yeah. is like a 2 for 1, right? If I'm trying to make someone else's day, and I am, can achieve that. Not only do they, um, you know, we've built a relationship. They've got the smile on their face or what their day is made. But then in making someone's day, that also makes your day. You know, it's like buy one, get one free at the, yeah. uh, at the Culver's down the, down the street, you know, <laughs> you have a Culver's there. No, no. Oh my goodness. They would, they would, I mean, seriously, a, a butter burger in uh, in Mississippi would go over, and custard would go over fantastic. So, Craig Culver, if you're out there, uh, you have a franchisee opportunity down here. <laughs> hey, uh, did you ever meet my son, Mark? I believe. The friend of Shane's. Yeah, yeah, I believe I have, uh, but yeah. in passing. Yeah. Well, um, he he is a uh, surgeon. You know, he... Okay. He, he played college basketball, and and then he decided he was on a mission trip at Green Bay. Did he play at Green Bay? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And uh, he was on a mission trip, and standing on the uh, in Manila, standing on the garbage dump, looked around at the kids and the sores. And he says, "They need a doctor. They need someone to come here and be a doctor." So he came home, and he hadn't done anything to prepare to be a doctor. And because of that experience, you know, that interaction, he went to MATC and got a, took the CNA course <laughs> and went and worked at a health center in empty bedpans and yeah. did that all the time he's studying for the MCAT. And uh, so uh, he kept studying, studying, going on these mission trips and stuff and, and finally passed it and then joined the Navy to get a Navy scholarship to go to, to go to medical school. Yeah. Yeah. And so he went to medical school, uh, residency, and then was in the Navy and he was in Afghanistan, um, in a tough situation in Kunduz and, and, um, but it was interesting because he framed the experience of his, his military experience in that. And right now he's in Djibouti, Africa doing somewhat the same thing, but, um, he talked about that you need 10 to 20 seconds of courage to make the good decision. Mm. And he, he, uh, you know, because they were in this combat stuff and he was having to try to save lives and some he did and some he couldn't. And, and, uh, but he said, you know, you can stand still or you can move forward. Right. Wow. You know, and, and so when you when you talk about where you are in life and what you're doing, um, and it, it was interesting when you when you mentioned fish philosophy to me, I still have it, but I had let go of it and morphed it into a broader picture. Mm-hmm. That broader picture includes integrity, it includes uh, courage, it includes it, it includes faithfulness. Um, you know, so what happens is is that you start with this, and what ha- happens is you grow and and you merge into something that's uh, 
a result of this basic philosophy, but that in itself isn't. I'd say biblically, um, and then the number of other experiences that you have in life takes you. But if you hang on to that idea that having that basic attitude, knowing that life is tough and life is difficult and sometimes it's not fair, you you still you still move forward. You have the attitude of I'm gonna I'm gonna do the best I can, and then when you interact with people, you don't dismiss them. You know, I, I when when uh, my grandkids really are amazed that we'll st- that I'll stop and talk to somebody when we're in Disney or wherever, and they say, "Gramps, how, how come you can talk to those people?" I said, "Well, we're all here, and we're just you know, <laughs> it's a matter of uh, being comfortable and and doing that." Um, and so the, this whole thing grows into something very special. Now I, I'm I'm older now, Joe. So you know the journey I've walked, I've stumbled, I've made my mistakes, I've recovered, uh, and hopefully I live long enough to be forgiven for the the things that I didn't stand up for that I should have, and some things I stood up for that I shouldn't have, and you know hopefully that that things is all self out. But still, the basic thing is that attitude. The way you interact with people, the encouragement, being there, and also playing. Yeah. You know, fun. yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I told you how much time this is going to take. I know we've taken a little bit more than that, so I do appreciate it. But I wonder if you play with me just for just a little bit longer. With, okay. uh, do you have the idea of? I talked about summing it up for a seven-year-old. Given you have grandkids, like, what would you like? And again, we talked about fish philosophy. It's more than that, and you've thought about beyond that, but how would you capture it for uh, a seven-year-old? So I, I've got my little Jackson. He's a seven-year-old. He would, he would okay. love interacting with you. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's what I wrote down, Joe. It's how I am thinking, helping me enjoy life and things and people. Wow. I like it. I like so, it. I'm not even going to try to, I'm going to go with that one. That one's mine. I'm going to, I'm going to have a Tom Andrews quote. On that okay. One. Well, and, and I just, I do want to, I mean, as we wrap up and I did, you know, I, I did a little Googling of you and, and I saw that you, did you write a letter to the Cap Times about education this past summer? I think uh, At some point I've been writing to different people. Yeah. But I mean, like when you talk about standing up and, and, you know, not only choosing your attitude, but choose what to, to stand for and choose to take an action like that of writing and like writing a letter to the paper and, and saying like, Hey, we need to stand up for our schools. Schools are really important. And, and that the fact that you're doing these positions and I just remember, I have a, a, a fond memory of when we lost our principal, um, left in the middle of the school year and you came in, uh, to, to take over while we were in the hiring process. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. So I remember, you know, so, so we could have sat there and said like, oh, why did he leave? What, you know, and focused on the past. But I remember going into a room and I don't know why we were in this room, but we come into like the conference room and you basically sat there and you kind of had this grin on your face, you put your elbows on the table, like, all right, I'm here for a bit. What do you want to do? And it was like, it was totally, no, no, no. We're not looking backwards. Like, like taking your, the kid's face and pointing them to different, no, no, no we're looking this way. We're going to go forward. We're going to not we're not going to get worse in this situation. We're going to get better. And that was, I mean, it kind of captured this whole book in a moment and, and and why I wanted to talk to you. And 
you just delivered fully uh, in this conversation. I just want to, I appreciate it. Well, Joy, it, it's fantastic. Uh, Old Miss is a, a special place down in Oxford, and it's it, uh, the only connection I really had was when I follow, follow Archie Manning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I have uh, I have seen Eli at a 4th of July parade. I was like, in the like, there's Eli Manning, <laughs> like, watching me carry my uh, or drag my kid in a wagon in this parade. I'm like, dang, all right, this is nice. Um, but, uh, hey, maybe we'll see him more often now that he's re- retiring. Um, but uh, thank you for your time, Tom. Uh, I I actually want to put it in your ear, maybe that we can come talk about something else in the future. I know that you've been going on these trips, and I, I don't know if Shane's told you I've been going on some trips uh, focused on uh, service trips to Haiti, Kenya. I just got back from Kenya a few weeks ago, Um, had a chance to do a tour around to some schools there. And so that might be a topic in the near future or maybe another book. All right. Thank you very much, Tom. Joe, it's my pleasure, buddy. And you take care and keep doing the good work. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Wasn't that good? Seriously, wasn't that good? It's okay. Go ahead, rewind it if you want and listen again. It's it's that good. So glad that uh, Tom was willing to come on and share his wisdom. So glad that Claire was willing to make the recommendation. And that's kind of cool. It's kind of cool that we get to do this little interaction between uh, audience and um, what actually goes out on the uh, on the podcast. So again, engage. Give me suggestions, and we'll see if we can make it come to life here on the podcast so that is all we have for this uh, episode of the amazon planet podcast if you're looking for ways to support one hey engage on on the interwebs via instagram twitter linkedin facebook all to handle at amazon planet always looking for those suggestions looking for question comment questions and comments um another way to do to support the podcast is to subscribe rate and review Every time you do that, you make the podcast a little bit more visible to those out there that that are looking to find it, right? You can also like the Amadon Planet Facebook page. Lots of good interactions are happening there. You can sign up for the Amadon Planet email list. We just sent out a, um, a code for some free coffee this last one. It also just gives you updates on what's going on with stuff around Amadon Planet. So we've got actually, I've got another podcast that's coming out. But if you're looking to learn more about that, you can subscribe to the email list and we'll bring an update on that in the near, very near future. You can also uh, support through the Amazon Planet store. So every purchase that you make through the Amazon Planet store just uh, supports the, the production costs, like goes to the production costs of the Amazon Planet podcast. It's not, it's not expensive, but it's not, uh, it's not free. So very th- grateful to all of you out there that purchased your Be The Good shirts or your Celebrate The Struggle shirts uh, out there. So thank you so much. Those have paid for this next year of the Amazon Planet podcast, but we're always looking to make upgrades in sound quality and other things that we can do here at Amazon Planet. So if you're looking for a hoodie, you're looking for a t-shirt, you're looking even for a coffee cup. we got some coffee cups now. Head to the Amazon Planet store. You can find links to that in my Instagram bio, but you can also find links at... Uh, AmazonPlanet.com. Just hit the store link. All right, that is all. Thank you, Claire, for the suggestion. Thank you, Tom, for sharing your expertise. Thank you to Matt Mifflin for sharing his music. And thank you to all of you out there who are seeking to teach better and be the good in the world by investing in the lives of others. This world is a better place because you have decided to use the gifts you have been given. 
to serve others. Thank you for all that you do. Peace.